The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Today, I want to talk about something that's not always the funnest thing to talk about, but I think it's very important to your purpose, and that is uh, some of the experiences of our life. Because our experiences play a big role in, in shaping us into who we are. And, and what I mainly want to talk about today is pain. Not physical pain, although it may be some physical pain, but, but really some of the pain, some of the painful experiences that we've had in our life. Because those, those are a big part of who we're going to be and the purpose that we're going to walk in come from how we deal with the pain of our life. Because here's the reality for every person in this room. We're all going to face pain. Pain is a reality of the world that we live in today. John 16, says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to experience painful situations. It's going to happen. And how you experience those and how you walk through those is going to be important to you walking in the purpose God has for you. Now, there are two ways that I think that we typically, two extremes in how we deal with pain. The first one is this, where pain buries us. Pain buries us. If you're taking notes, that's in your, your notes this morning. Pain buries us. This is, you, you know this person. Maybe, maybe you are this person. You've had a painful experience in your life and you can't seem to get out from underneath it. It's the excuse for everything going on in your life. It's the thing that you keep coming back to. It's why you feel like you can't succeed. It's why you, can't feel, you feel like you can't quite move on and, 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 and you can't quite get past that pain. It, it's, it's buried you. The other extreme is this, where we bury our pain. We have some kind of of situation, some kind of painful thing that happens in our life, and, and, and all of the energy and focus of our life now becomes how do we keep this down? How do we hide this? How do we, how do we bury this? And, and, and you're working so hard to move past it. Now, the problem with, with both of these extremes is in either case, pain becomes the, the motivating factor of your life. You're spending all your time and all your energy trying to deal with pain. And I'm here to tell you today that that's not what God wants for you. God has a better plan for you. And, and I believe this. I believe that for some of you, and this may seem hard to believe, but I want, I want you to believe me, is some of the hard experiences, those painful experiences of your life, that God wants to, in those, in those experiences, he wants to take that and utilize it, and wrapped up in that pain may be the greatest purpose of your life. May be the motivating factor for you that helps you change and help and deliver other people from the same kind of pain that you've experienced. I believe that, 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 that in your pain, God can create, take your pain and create a platform for you, for the ministry he has for you. So today I want to talk about how we deal with pain, how we, how we walk through it, how we move past it, how we harness the lessons that we can find in it so we can step into the purpose God has for us, all right? So I got four points for you this morning, three of which have to do with how you see God, <laughs> because you need to see God the right way when it comes to your pain. And so here's point number one. If you're taking notes, this is in your notes. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. good. We serve a good God. And we serve a God who doesn't do bad things. And you need to believe that. Uh, A few years ago, when my daughter was four, uh, she got a little splinter in her hand one day. And it was really, you know, it was a tiny little splinter, but it was really bothering her. And so um, we were looking at it. Now, something you have to understand about my daughter, Bo, is she hates pain. Like, Bo, my, her, Bo don't know pain, okay? And she don't want to know pain. And she doesn't just hate pain for herself. She hates pain for anybody. 
Like, okay, so one time I was outside with the kids and the girls were on the trampoline. Bo was four at the time, Sonny was two, and, uh, and they were jumping on the trampoline. And all of a sudden I just heard this screaming and just, uh, it just sounded like somebody had broke their arm or something bad had happened. So I ran over to the trampoline and I find Bo kind of in the fetal position with her head down, just crying so hard. And so I jump up on the trampoline. I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? I'm thinking something really bad's going to be wrong. And she goes, Sonny got hurt. Now, Sonny's her sister, and here's what she didn't understand. When I walked up on the scene, Bo's in the fetal position, and Sonny is consoling her. <laughs> so Sonny's the one that's, that got hurt, but upon seeing her sister's reaction to her pain, now she's going, hey, I'm okay, it's going to be... Like, so what I'm trying to say is Bo does not like pain. Anyone in our family, if we slip and she thinks we might be hurt... She gets upset about it. So, so Bo's got this little splinter in her hand, and I, I look at it, and it's, you know, it's irritating, bothering her. It's one of these deals where, you know how it is with a splinter, like I can't, I can't just get it out, so I got to go get the needle and the little tweezers. Now, you would think when I showed her the needle and tweezers that I just said, I'm about to cut your chest open and rip your heart out. Like she went into full-on freak-out mode to the point that in order to, to, to do this procedure, which was not a painful procedure, Sarah had to come in and like lay beside her on the bed and kind of lay like face to face with her and just be like speaking the word to her. You're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. While I worked to remove the splinter. And, and during the middle of this, there was a point when, when, when Mo goes, why are you guys being so mean? Now here's, here's what I'm getting at. We were not being mean at all. We were actually trying to help her. She had a problem and it was painful and she didn't like it. And we were trying to move in and help her. But in the middle of her pain, she can't see beyond the fear and the pain and the situation to, to the character of who we are in her life. She's forgetting about, for the past four years of her life, how we've cared for her every step of the way. How we, we, we stayed up in the night with her when she was sick and how we provided for her. We've taken her to places like Disneyland and we've bought her toys and we've fed her and clothed her and cared for her every step of the way. But in this moment of pain, she's now looking at us as the cause of her pain. And in that idea is, I think, one of the greatest dangers that we can experience when it comes to our life with God in the painful experiences of our life. And it is this. We give credit where credit is not due. Listen. God is good. He's good. And he's only good. And the painful experiences of your life, while God can use those to benefit you, God is not the cause of those. God doesn't make you sick. God doesn't kill your children. God does not do those things. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. good. He's only good. And I'm going to get a little intense about this because I hate it when people believe this. You're giving credit where it's not due. The enemy is the one that steals and kills and destroys, not God. And it's crazy when we begin to think that way about God. Look at, look at what the Bible says about, about God. James 1 verse 13 says, God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So God's not using evil to work in your life. 1 John 1 verse 5 says, God is light. Everybody say light. In him there is no darkness at all sickness, pain, death. That's dark. That's not in God. He can't give you what's not a part of who he is. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, uh, God is not the author of confusion. You think about pain, you think about sickness, you think all those things bring confusion. If God's not the author of confusion, listen, he's not the author of pain. 
And, and I know maybe you're going, well, I've, I've experienced pain. Then what's up with that? Where, where was God? He could have, why didn't he do something? Listen, because God gives us free will. And there are people that are going to do bad things. And we live in a fallen world where sin abounds and, and, and there's people that are going to mess up and we make mistakes and we open up the door sometime for the enemy. But listen, God is not punishing you. He's not hurting you. He's not putting sickness on you or death on you. That's not how God rolls. That's not what he does. God is, is good. And people that will tell you that, you know, in these situations, well, God just, he's teaching me a lesson. He, he killed my child because he wanted to teach me a lesson. He's, he's put this burden on me. This is my cross to bear. Thy will be done. Okay, that's great. The will of God is good, though. It's not to hurt you. It's not to make you sick. God is a good God. He is a father. And a good father doesn't hurt you in order to teach you something. Think about this. If I want to teach my children about fire, I don't take their hand and put it in fire in order to teach them that fire will burn them. I don't want you to get burned, so I'm going to burn you so that you don't get burned. Does that make any sense to anybody? Doesn't me. Or I'm teaching my children about traffic safety. I don't throw them in front of a a moving car. (laughs) Hurts, don't it? Learn something? Yeah, dad's a maniac, right? (laughs) That's that's not how a good father would teach his child. And God is a good father. In fact, Jesus said this about God in comparison to how he is as a father to how we are as parents. He said this, What man is there among you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? Okay, so... So Jesus is talking about this situation where kids are coming to their, their parents asking for something. You're asking bread. Your child comes to you. Can I have some bread? And you say, yeah, Charlie Brown, here's a rock. Like no one would do that, right? That would be mean, right? Say that would be mean. Okay. Or your child comes to you and they're like, I want a little fish. Can you give me a goldfish? Here's a pet cobra. Be careful. Like we don't do that, do we? Okay, so look at what it goes on to say. This this is interesting, verse 11. If you then, being evil, little backhand slap there from Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So when you first read that, you kind of go, man, Jesus kind of called me evil there. (laughs) But it's not that he's calling you evil. Here's what Jesus is saying. Your love for your children in comparison to the love of the heavenly Father is considered evil. See, the best parent who's ever walked the face of this earth, as perfect as they could have been in parenting, in comparison to the love and the care of God, it's considered evil. That's how amazing the love of God is for you. Now, if you, who are, not, who are considered evil in comparison to God, would not do things to hurt your children to teach them lessons, you've got to believe that God isn't going to do that either. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. You look at the life of Jesus and you'll see someone who, in fact, the Bible says that he was, he was a picture of God in the flesh here on this earth. Jesus came and it says that he came to do the will of the Father. It, it says that, that, that he, when you see him, you see the Father. Okay, so, so Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, what we see in him is the will of God. Now, in Jesus, you never see him killing anyone. You never see him making anyone sick. You never see him laying a burden on someone that they cannot carry. What I see in the life of Jesus is every time he faced evil, he faced pain, he fought against it. He didn't just accept it as being the will of God because he knew what the will of God was. I I remember there's a story where where Jesus, he's in his hometown preaching and they they grab him and they're going to throw him off the side of a cliff. 
And so they're walking him towards this cliff, this angry mob of people. And Jesus does not just go, well, I guess this must just be the will of God for my life as they shove me. All right, bye, right, bye. Like, no. Because that wasn't the will of God for his life. So what does Jesus do? By the power of God, he stands up and, and he, it says the Bible, it's really interesting because it says he walks through the middle of that mob. Now, I don't know exactly what happened there, but my guess is it was a Saved by the Bell moment. You guys remember Saved by the Bell? Remember Zach Morris, how he would call like kind of a timeout every once in a while and everybody would freeze but him and then he would like talk to the camera about what's going on and then he would go, you know, time back in or, or unfreeze or whatever and everybody would come back to life. That's kind of what I think happened here. Like Jesus was letting him do this and all of a sudden it was like, okay, freeze. He lets, everybody's like mad, you know, getting ready to push him off and he walks out and then, and then he's like, you know, snaps his finger and then they all come back to life and they're like, oh, what, hey, what, huh, huh, yeah. I have no theological backing for that whatsoever. <laughs> but it's kind of what I think happened. But what we see is Jesus did not just accept that. There, there's another story where Jesus uh, is on a boat with his disciples and a storm arises. And, it, and the storm is crashing and the waves are crashing. And to the point that it says that the disciples who were, who were fishermen, who lived on the water for most of their life, they, it says that they were terrified. And Jesus doesn't, they, they go down and they wake him up and he doesn't go, well, this must just be the will of God. We'll just see what he wants to work out in all of us in this moment. No, he goes up to the bow of that ship and he rebukes the storm. Now, if God brought that storm on them, he just rebuked his father. Now, you, you get where I'm going? If we believe that God does things to us, makes us sick, hurts us, how do you pray in faith? How do you stand against cancer in your life if you think God put that on you? That doesn't make any sense, my friends. That's not how God is. There's another story where Jesus sees this widow walking with a procession of people and her, her child has died. She's a widow. Her son has died. This is very important to her that her son lives. Jesus doesn't look at that and go, well, I guess my father just needed another flower for his garden in heaven. And yet this is the kind of stuff people say. No, he goes over and he lays hands on that child and tells him to arise and the child is, is risen from the dead. What I want you to see is Jesus had encounter after encounter after encounter with pain, with, with hurt, with, with messed up stuff and he didn't just accept it as being from his father. Why? Because he knew the will of his father. And so he stood against it to the point that he was willing to go to the cross and die to fight against all that stuff coming against us. That's how much he loves you, and that's how much he wanted to pay for the pain and the sorrow and the hurt of this world. My friends, God, listen, when you're, when you're dealing with frustration and pain and stuff, God's not being mean to you. Don't look at God like my, my daughter did us and say, why are you being so mean? No, no, no. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. Here's number two. God cares. God cares. We have a God who cares. Our God is not just some distant God, you know, millions of miles away from us who, who sees the problems of our life and says, I got bigger fish to fry. Listen, if it matters to you, I've said this a thousand times here at New Song Church, if it matters to you, it matters to God, no matter how big or how small it may be, God cares about you and he wants to be close to you in the pain of your life. In fact, the Bible says this in Psalms 34 verse 18. It says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If you're broken hearted, if you're in pain, if you're in sorrow, listen, God is near to you. 
And he wants you to draw close to him. He wants to minister to you in the middle of your pain. It goes on to say this in that same verse. And save such as have a contrite spirit. That word saves there means he liberates, delivers, causes to be victorious. That word contrite there means crushed like dust. In other words, those that are pulverized. If you find yourself in a situation today where you have a a painful, something painful that's happened to you, and because of that, you feel like you have been pulverized, you feel crushed. Listen, God wants to liberate you. He wants to bring healing to you. He wants to bring freedom to you. But you won't turn to him for that if you don't believe he cares about that. You've got to believe that he cares. You've got to believe that he really loves you. And that he's for you and not against you. And he wants to minister you in the middle of your pain. My friends, God cares. So God is good. God cares. Here's number three. God reforms. God reforms. Now, as I was thinking about this point in the verse I'm going to read here in a minute, the word reform really stood out to me as being a really good word for that. The word reform means this. It means to put or change into an improved form or condition. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where there's a painful experience of your life and you find yourself maybe saying, man, I wish I could just go back to before that happened. Let me just tell you, that's not what God wants for you. You know what he wants for you? He wants to take you to a better place than before that happened. He wants to take that pain and he wants to use it for his glory and for your good and for, and, and, and for your purpose. And he can do that. Look at this verse, Romans eight twenty eight. We know, everybody say, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We're talking about purpose, right? There's some powerful statements in this verse. I want to break this down for you. First of all, it says, we know. Notice it doesn't say, we think, we hope. It says, we know. So this is a fact. Just like the sun is going gonna, is gonna to rise up tomorrow and it's going to set tomorrow, we know that's going to happen. We know, what do we know? We know that in all things, everybody say all. all. That word all there, I looked it up in the Greek this week. That word all there, here's what it means. It means all. <laughs> all means all. It means everything. Turn the verse beside you, everything. That means your mistakes, the dumb things you've done, the sins you've participated in. The mistakes you made, the, the, the things that have been done against you, the prejudices that have been laid against you. All things, all means all. This is talking about everything. In all things, God works for the good. God wants to work for your good. But notice what it says next. For those who love them. This promise is not for everybody. It's for those who love him. Listen, if you're thumbing your nose at God, doing things your own way, being your own God, choosing to walk your way and not God's way. Listen, this promise is not for you. This is a promise for those who love him. What does it mean to love God? Here's what it means. If you love God, you obey God. Jesus says this in John 14, 23, if you lo- or John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Everybody say obey. John 14, 23 says this. Is it up there? All right, I'll read it from my notes. If, you, if anyone loves me, they will obey me. Everybody say obey. First John 5 verse 3 says, We show our love for God. How do we do it? By obeying his commandments. And they are, I love this part, and they are not hard to follow. The burden that, that God wants to lay on you, his burden, his yoke is light and easy. You can do it. 
If you'll obey him, here's what happens. You put yourself in a position where God can work together. He can take those painful experiences of your life and he can work them together in such a way that they become a blessing to the world around you and they become something that is a platform for your purpose. It's kind of like chocolate chip cookies. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about, okay? I love chocolate chip cookies. Any chocolate chip cookie fans in here this morning? Not oatmeal raisin. No, not oatmeal raisin. Now, I don't hate oatmeal raisin cookies, but I don't love oatmeal raisin. Like, if I have a preference, I'm going to take a chocolate chip cookie over an oatmeal raisin cookie. Can I get an amen? amen. And I have a hard time, I'm going to be real with you, I have a hard time trusting people that say they prefer an oatmeal raisin cookie over chocolate chip. This doesn't make any sense to me. It's like saying I like grapes over chocolate bars. Right? That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it had to be said, Okay. So I love chocolate chip cookies. Now here's the thing about a chocolate chip cookie. A chocolate chip cookie is made up of six ingredients, five of which by themselves are kind of nasty. Shortening, gross. Baking soda. Anybody want a plate of baking soda this morning? Yum. No. Gross. Salt. I mean, we salt our food, but we don't just eat salt. Sugar, uh, unless you're weird, no. Gross. Raw eggs. Gross. Rocky was wrong. I'm sorry. And chocolate chips. Good. Yummy, right? Okay, but notice, five of the six ingredients are gross. But when you take them and put them together in the right amounts, and you mix them all up, something powerful takes place. They become cookie dough. And cookie dough's good. Like, we eat half the cookie dough before we make the cookies most of the time. Right, Chris Webb? Yeah, it's good. We like cookie dough. And then you put that in the oven with a little heat and something really powerful takes place. And you pull them out and they're gooey and chocolatey and good and the house begins to smell good, right? Like they're telling you when, you when you're trying to sell your house, you do an open house, what do you do? You bake some cookies because you want the smell of cookies in your house. People walk into that and they're like, yes, I'll pay thousands of dollars for this house because it smells like cookies. <laughs> cookies are good. Now here's my point. In the same way that all those ingredients by themselves, they're not that great, when you put them together in the right way, something powerful happens. Listen, God wants to take those, those experiences of your life, that painful thing that you look at that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, that, that, that you want to hide, that you want to stay away from, that you don't want anyone to know about, that you're trying to bury or that feels like it's burying you. God wants to take those things, work them together in such a way that it becomes something that is delightful to the world, that is tasty to the world, that the world looks at and goes, that's good. They taste and see that the Lord is good through whatever it is that you have experienced. That's what this verse is talking about. God wants to work this out for your good. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, everybody say all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God has the ability to work everything together for the good and everything includes your pain. Okay, so here's the deal. Since we know that God is good, since we know that, that, uh, that God cares and he, he's close to us in our pain. He wants to help us in our pain. Since we know that God reforms, he has the ability to take our painful experiences and turn them into something great. Here's what you need to do. Here's point number four. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. That thing that you're the most embarrassed about, that thing that, that keeps you up at night, that thing that you wake up in the morning thinking about, that thing that when you're driving in your car and the radio's not on, comes up that you have to you can't get quiet every time you get kind of quiet that thing that pops up 
God wants to take that thing, whatever it may be, that prejudice, that hurt, that pain, that sin, that mistake, that, that thing that you look at that you hate. God wants to take it and he wants to use it. That very thing can become your greatest ministry. Or, or it can be nothing more than your pain. I, I say this and I want, I want to be cautious because I don't want you to feel like I don't care because I do care. But that thing that happened to you, whatever it may be, um, and I can't relate to probably some of the pain that's in this room, but whatever it may be, I, it happened. It happened. And, and you can't erase that. But it, it happened. And, and so you can either allow it to be a prison that buries you or that you, you try to bury yourself. And if you do that, it'll be nothing more than just your pain for the rest of your life. Or you can let God work in it and through it and with it for it to be a platform of purpose in your life that you stand on that brings other people to Jesus. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 5. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is a merciful God who always gives us comfort. I love that. Always, always gives us comfort. He comforts us when we are in trouble. Now look at this. So that. Everybody say, so that. Here's the so that. God comforts us, but there's something he wants to to take place out of that. This is the so that. So that we can share that same comfort with others in trouble. God wants that painful experience of your life that happened, that, 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 that's hurtful, that's painful, he wants to turn it into something beautiful that can be used to help other people. I, I had the opportunity this week to go to an event for an organization called Hope is Alive that we support as a church. And uh, it's run by a guy named Lance Lang who, who helps people that are, are caught up in drug addiction. And seven years ago, in fact, they were celebrating his, his, his anniversary because seven years ago, uh, he entered into a program and became free from drug addiction. He's been free from drugs for seven years. And a couple years after he got free, he was, he was thinking about his situation and the situation of people around him, and he wanted to do something about it. So he began to start working to create a program to help people that were caught up in drug addiction. And, and so five years later, he has uh, 10 houses between Tulsa and Oklahoma City where men and women are coming into these houses and they're getting free from drugs and they're getting uh, a career path set for them. And, and more than anything, though, they're, they're getting community and they're learning about Jesus Christ and what Jesus wants to do for their life. And it was incredible sitting at this event here and all these testimonies of people who have been set free, people whose lives have been changed. And, but listen, it all started with one guy who was willing to say, this, this area of my life that was so painful, this area of life that I was bound to for so many years, I, I'm not just going to try to hide it. I'm not just going to try to bury it. I'm going to use it to be a platform to minister Jesus Christ to other people. And I believe that God wants to do that for every one of you in here. Whatever your pain may be, God wants to use it. Who, who better to minister to someone who's struggling with an issue than someone that's struggled with the same issue? Who's better to help a guy that's struggling with pornography than someone that's been freed from it? You know, I, I've been really clear at New Song Church that at one point in my life, I was bound by pornography. But I talk about it. And I've had people come up to me and say, how can you just talk about that as openly as you do? Here's why. Because I hate it. 
And I want people to be free from it. And I'm not going to let the enemy tell me, I need to hide that, that people are going to think less of you. No, no, no. That's a platform of purpose for me. And I want to help people get free. And in this church, I've seen men get free from this. Who better to help someone that's struggling with cancer than someone who's walked through cancer? Who, who better to help someone who's parenting a child with special needs than someone who's parented a child with special needs? What's that area of your life that may be painful that God wants to use that could be a platform for purpose? Don't waste your pain. Let God use it. Surrender it to God. Now, I want to close with this this morning. I know some of you, today, as I was studied for this this week, I really felt the burden for some of you and the pain that you've experienced. I know there's some of you in here that have faced some really tough stuff. And what I want to talk to you about here at the closing is is one step that you can begin to take that I believe will help you to step into the freedom that God wants you to experience when it comes to your pain. And that is this. You're taking notes. Write this down. Magnify God. If you want to find freedom from your pain, you need to magnify God. Not magnify the pain. Not magnify the problem. Magnify God. The Bible says this in Psalm 69 verse 30. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. In other words, I'll magnify him with praise, with worship, with thankfulness. I'm going to magnify God. And you think about magnifying something. When you magnify something, what happens? You look through a telescope, uh, binoculars, or whatever it may be. When you magnify something, it's not that that thing actually grew. It's that your perspective changes. When you magnify God, it's not that all of a sudden God becomes bigger in, in your life in a sense that he gets closer to you. It's that When you magnify God, you see him the right way. And so your faith is increased to believe God. And with faith, you can receive what God wants you to receive. If I, if I go out and I, I, I get you know, some binoculars out and I look at the moon with binoculars or telescope or whatever it may be, that the moon gets clo- it doesn't, it's not that the moon all of a sudden moves and gets closer to me. It's that I see it with greater detail. I can see things I didn't see before. Also, if I do that, anytime I look through something like binoculars or telescope or whatever, my peripheral vision changes. I don't see all the things maybe going on around me. I'm focusing on the one thing. This is what God wants you to do with your pain. He wants you to magnify God in the face of it, to look at him, to zoom into him so that you can see how good he is, how much he loves you, how how he's for you and not against you, how he has a plan for your life. And all the things of this world begin to come crashing down. They disappear as you begin to set your, your focus on Jesus and his love for you. Oh, magnify God. And this is what I believe God told me this week. Look at this, this verse in... Uh, Psalm 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. This is David. And let us exalt his name together. As I was studying for this, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, There's some people that have been walking through some pain, and God wants to take you to a new place. And as you magnify God, that pain's going to fall off. And, and so here's what I'm inviting you to do. Today, and, and in particularly tonight, at worship night, I'm inviting you to do what in, David invited you to do. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's magnify God. I want you to set your faith today. If you have pain in your life that has bound you to this point, I want you to set your faith today that tonight you're going to come to worship night and you're going to walk away free. You're going to walk away in a new level of freedom that it's fallen off. Those chains are going to fall off of you tonight. Can you set your faith for that? 
Can you set your expectation for that? That as we magnify God, as we lift him up tonight, he's going he's gonna to change people. And I believe he's going to even do it right now. When you, when you put God and you magnify him and you thank him, it's amazing what he can do. I think one of the greatest examples I have of this is in the life of my wife, Sarah. A few years ago, many of you know the story, but we lost a baby halfway through a pregnancy. And we had to go into the hospital and deliver that baby, stillborn. And it was unbelievably hard. It was the darkest, darkest moment I've ever experienced in my life. I remember being in that hospital that night with her, and it felt like Paul and Silas, if you know that story, where they were just in prison. We'd had three healthy babies, or two healthy babies up to that point. And both times we were in the hospital, it was in the day, family was there, balloons were there, it was a celebration. And this night she had to deliver that baby in the dark at night with nobody else there but me. As we sat there feeling totally defeated, she spoke up and said, we got to do something. We got a little iPhone and she put on praise and worship music. And the first song that came on our little Spotify playlist was 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. That's all about if we could celebrate our thankfulness to Jesus that we could sing forever and never, never be able to stop listing all the goodness of God. And so we sat there while my wife was dealing with contractions for a baby that was not going to breathe the breath of life. And we raised our hands and we worshiped Jesus in spite of our pain. And listen, he showed up in that hospital room. Most powerful presence of God experience I've ever had was in that room with just the three of us me, Sarah, and Jesus. And after it was over, though, one of the cool things was God began to start ministering to Sarah and both of us, and she, she had this idea that she wanted to, in fact, it was a God idea, that out of that night, we, we found such joy and such, such peace right away that she thought, she was telling me one day, she said, you know, I think I could come up with 10,000 reasons to be thankful to God. And she texted me a few days later, and she was like, I'm going to do it. And she decided to create a blog where she would list for 365 days, 27 things on so many days, and then 28 things on so many days to be thankful for until after one year she had thanked God for 10,000 things. And she wrote a blog post every day. And something cool happened. People started reading it. And people started emailing her, telling her that they were finding freedom through what she was doing. And, and so many people to this day will still get emails every once in a while. In fact, we, looked, we haven't looked in a while, but there was something like 70,000 people have visited that website and countless stories. Why? Because she was willing to praise God in the middle of her pain. And she was willing to say, I'm going to be thankful. I'm telling you today, if you're dealing with struggling, or you're struggling with pain, God wants to set you free. And it starts with you saying, God, I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands with me this morning? And let's just take a moment right now and let's just just worship God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that in spite of the painful situations of our life, our God is good. Our God cares. Our God reforms. And we will not waste our pain. Lord, we choose to use whatever has taken place. We know, Lord, that we live in a fallen world and bad things happen. 
but you're not behind it. But you want to use it to minister to other people. And God, we say today with our hands lifted high, we say, use me, Lord. Have your way in my life. We give you every area of our life, not just the good, but also the painful. And we ask you to use it for your glory and your, your story for our purpose. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. you don't miss tonight I really believe there's a, there's a new level of freedom that some of us are going to step into tonight don't miss it, come expecting God's got something good in store for you I want to encourage you, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, whatever God is laying on your heart to just be willing to be obedient to that to walk it out talk it out with other people in community and relationship and let God minister healing to you I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you have a prayer need of any kind, we'd love to pray for you. And in particular, this morning, if you're dealing with pain, yes, I believe that God wants to free some of you tonight at worship night, but I also believe that God wants to start that process right now. So if there's a painful experience in your life that has bound you, uh, let's take the first step of faith this morning and be willing to say, God, I'm going to humble myself enough to say, Lord, would you free me from this and come join your faith with one of these people up here? And so what's interesting is I look at some of these people up here and I see stories in these people's faces. People who have been bound, people who have struggled, people who have experienced pain, and they're letting God use them. If you're here today, you have pain. Don't, don't leave with that burden. Let's leave it here at the altar so that God can do what he wants to do. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you have a purpose for every one of us, God. We're grateful for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And I pray that you would embolden everyone here today that needs freedom, that needs prayer, to come forward and receive that prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.